Greg Rubel of Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We want to thank you for your interest in God's Word and this message. We pray that God puts it into your heart. This peace ever escape you. Peace can escape us when we are in need of it the most. It it slips from us so that we can't seem to retain it. So peace, we say, it's a fleeting peace for many of us. And for others of us, it's elusive. It is an elusive peace. It's elusive in that we've never known it before. We've never known that peace which would surpass understanding. It's elusive in that you cannot remember a day-to-day in which you did not live in anguish. It's elusive in that you've never known a day where you didn't despair. Elusive in that you have never known what it means to have a peace-filled Heart. So, why does peace escape me? Why does peace, and why does it continue to elude me today? Well, I would suggest to you, it is because peace is at war with your doubt. Peace is at war with my doubt. So on the one battlefront is peace, my longing for peace. On the other battlefront, on the other side of the field is my doubt. What is my doubt? My doubt is my disbelief. My doubt is my lack of faith. Doubt is my lack of faith that God is who He says He is. Doubt is my lack of faith that God will do what He said He would, that He is a faithful God, that He is a just God. How my heart can doubt these things. And how my doubt, how my doubt, how it can strike at our hearts in those moments of question, in those moments of wonder, how doubt can strike my heart with the sharpest of the bayonet, with the swiftest of the cavalry, with the straightest of bullets, doubt can pierce. Doubt can pierce our heart. So we need to know today, we need to understand that doubt is at war with my peace. I believe we see that truth in our passage of Scripture today. If you'd like, you can turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, we finish our study in Luke today by reading verses 36 uh, through 53 from this chapter. And when I say finish up, understand that for over four years, Pastor Greg has been taking us through the book of Luke 
You know how many messages? Over 90 messages in the book of Luke, last four years. So, Pastor Greg, thank you. Thumbs up. Where'd you go? But Luke chapter 24, beginning with verse 36. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they did still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them while he was blessing them. He left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple praising God. So Jesus asked his disciples, why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your minds? Why are you troubled today and why does the doubt rise up in your mind? Last week, Pastor Greg shared with us about the conversation uh, that Jesus had on the Emmaus Road with those uh, two And we're told to those two then, they went to the disciples and told them that Jesus, hey, he was in fact alive. And in our passage of scripture, the context for where we're at in Luke, in our passage of scripture in verse 36, we find the disciples discussing what the Emmaus two had told them. And as as they were talking, we're told that Jesus stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Isn't that fitting? For Jesus to say that. For Jesus to say peace be with you. It's fitting that in the final moments of the Gospel of Luke, in the final moments of his earthly tenure, Jesus continued to seek to impart peace. It's fitting because generations before the feet of Jesus ever touched the ground over the earth, His name was peace. Jesus' name was peace. Isaiah said his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. So it's fitting. It's fitting because when the moment came, when the night held its breath, when the cry rose up from the woman and the angels appeared, they said glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace 
to men on whom his favor rests. So how fitting it is then that he who was named peace, that he who was the promise of peace in his final moments, that he would continue to impart them to us. But we see in our passage, oh, the war that raged. There was a battle taking place in Luke 24. Can you see the fight and the ferocity of the battle that's taking place in this moment? For the disciples, they were startled. They were frightened. And so Jesus asked, why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your minds? I mean, understand what this moment was. I mean, this was the risen Jesus Christ. This was the culmination. This was the promised appearance. It was a moment that was to be marked with joy. It was a moment to, that was to be marked with worship. But above all, it was a moment that was to be marked by peace. But what happened? We see in verse 37 and 38. Understand in that moment, in that scene, the foe rose up. You understand that? The foe lined up. The foe whose name was Doubt. Our foe. Understand that Doubt is the armed foe that marches towards you today. Understand that doubt, he is armed with distrust. He is armed with lack of faith. Doubt loves earthly sight. Doubt is the foe that veils. He is the foe that clouds. He is the foe that will fog and dim light. Doubt is the foe that will weaken your eye. And in that moment, in verse 37 and 38, we see doubt rise up to fight. Doubt rose up in the disciples. It rose up in them like it rises up in us so often today. You know, when I, when I think about that room that the disciples were in, I think our hearts are a lot like that room. I think our hearts are a lot like the room that the disciples were in in Luke chapter 24. And actually, you know, Luke doesn't even tell us that they were in a room. Luke simply tells us that the disciples, they were assembled together. But, you know, John, he also records this encounter in his gospel. And from John chapter 20, we know that those disciples, they were, in fact, in a room and not just a room, but it was a room where the door was locked. The disciples were in a room with a locked Door. Why was the door locked? The Bible says it was because of fear. Their room was locked because of fear. And I think our hearts are a lot like that room that the disciples were in. This little room in Jerusalem. This little room that has been locked because of fear. It's been barricaded. You and I, we barricaded it in our terror. In the walls of our heart. Recognize that the walls of our heart, they have been painted by trouble and the smell of doubt in the room of our heart. If you and I were to walk into our heart, we could smell it. We would smell doubt in the air. There's doubt in our room and it's crowded. It's crowded in that room. There's so many cares that we have in our heart. And I wonder, does your heart today, does it feel like that little room?
Does my heart feel like the little room? Understand that peace is at war with my doubt. Peace is at war with my doubt. I wanted to show you three examples, three more examples from Scripture uh, where we see peace at war with doubt. Three examples. The first example is Eve. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, we're told that the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Eve, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Have you ever thought about what the devil's first words on earth were? What were the devil's first words on earth? I mean, we know the devil, he's been running his mouth about around here for some time. What were his first words? We find them recorded there in Genesis chapter 3 verse 1. Can you find it in your Bible? There are four words, the first four words that the devil ever spoke. Genesis chapter 3 verse 1, what were they? Did God really say? You see that? In Genesis chapter 3 verse 1, what were the devil's first four words? Did God really say? That's not a shock. (laughs) That is not a surprise. Should not be a surprise for us that the first words of Satan upon the earth, also the first time God was questioned on the earth. Satan's first words, first time God questioned on the face of the earth. So why did Satan ask Eve, did God really say? Why would he ask her that? Doubt. Satan asked Eve, did God really say to awaken doubt within her? The serpent's strategy was to cause the woman to question if God was really here. Did God, he hissed, really say? Did he really say? Did he really say? Recognize that Satan's tactic, it was to sow doubt within Eve. And think about it. What was at stake? What prize... Did Eve possess in that moment? What was her reality that the the seed of doubt would ultimately rise up and seek to destroy? What did she have that we long for? It was peace, right? Eve had peace. It was a perfect peace. It was unending. It was full, never fleeting, never elusive was this peace with God. Eve had it. Eve knew it, but doubt lit a musket that shattered it all. It was doubt that led to the destruction of peace. The serpent said to the woman, did God really say doubt brought it down? Doubt brought peace down. Understand, peace is at war today with my doubt. Peace is at war with my doubt. Eve is the first example. 
Peter is the second. Peace is at war with my doubt. Peter is our second example. We see in Matthew chapter 14. It says, The boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And then the fourth watch of the night he came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost. They cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter said to him, Lord, if it is, if it is you, Lord, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said, You of little faith, why did you doubt? (laughs) Peter had an opportunity here. Peter had an amazing opportunity to dance on the water with the Son of God. What an opportunity. What a chance for Peter. I mean, can you imagine that? He had an opportunity to laugh at the night. He had an opportunity to stand firm against the wind. It was an opportunity to defy logic. It was an opportunity to defy nature. It was an opportunity to defy all of human reason. It was a chance for Peter to see what God and only God can do. It was a chance for Peter to experience the triumph that the Apostle Paul had when he said, listen, I'm afflicted in every way, but I am not crushed. Paul said, you know, I'm perplexed, but I do not despair. Paul said, I'm persecuted, but I'm not forsaken. I'm struck down, he said, but we are not destroyed. Recognize that Matthew 14, this was Peter's moment to live. This was his opportunity. But what happened? It was the fear. Right? The fear again we see. The fear that was present in that little locked room in Luke chapter 24. The fear that was present there. That same fear was also present on the sea. Same fear. And instead of standing above with Christ, instead of Standing on the solid rock, that firm foundation, which is Jesus Christ, a foundation that is stamped with faith. It's a foundation that is stamped with endurance. It's a foundation that is stamped with peace. Doubt arose. Peter missed his moment. You know, instead of reigning victoriously with Christ, doubt split a crack beneath Peter's feet. It was like ice cracking on an Indiana pond. You know, ice cracks pretty easy on an Indiana pond, doesn't it? Don't go out on an Indiana pond. Doubt split a crack beneath Peter's feet, and like doubt brought peace down in the garden... So doubt pulled Peter down. You see, 
Doubt pulled Peter down into the depths, down into the depths where you and I, we were not meant to flourish, right? Beneath the water, you and I, we were not meant, we were not designed or created or intended to live beneath the water. But doubt drug him down. Peter missed his moment. Are we missing our moment today? Are you missing your moment? You know, think about it. I mean, are are you missing the moment that God has intended for you? That He's calling to you? Or is is He out there on the water and He's reaching out His hand and He's saying, come and you follow Me. But we're missing our moment because the fear, the step, it's too risky. It's too great. There's too much trouble. There's too much night. There's too much wind. And we miss it. We miss it. You've been missing it. I've been missing it. We've all missed a moment. Understand that peace... It is at war today with my doubt. Peace is at war with my doubt. We see it in our first example of Eve. We see it in our second example of Peter. We see it in our third example of Thomas. And Thomas, in John chapter 20, it says that Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them. When Jesus came... And when Jesus came, that's referring to the Luke 24 uh, encounter that we just read about. So it's saying that Thomas, that he was not with them in Luke 24. Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were saying to him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands, the imprints of the nails, unless I put my finger into the place of the nails, put my hand into his side, I will not believe After eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, the doors having been shut, and stood in their midst, said, Peace be with you. No big surprise there, right? We saw that greeting coming. Peace be with you. He said again, he said to Thomas, Reach here with your fingers, see my hands. Reach your hand and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but be believing. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Because you've seen me, you believe, Jesus asked him. But Jesus said, blessed are they who did not see and yet believe. Okay, don't miss that last verse there. Jesus said, blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. Do you understand what we're seeing here in this passage? I mean, the disciples in Luke 24, we see them initially that they're missing out on the joy of the risen Christ. In Genesis 3, we see that Eve's perfect peace, it is lost. In Matthew chapter 14, Peter, he's missing his moment with the Son of God, what is happening in all of these passages? Listen. Doubt is blocking the blessing. Okay? That's what we see. Doubt, it is blocking your blessing. 
Doubt is blocking blessing. Doubt is blocking the blessing of God in these lives. It's blocking the blessing of God in my own life. Jesus told Thomas, you're only believing because you can see. Jesus say, listen, doubt, doubt is not a player here. You can see, you know, you can touch me. But Jesus said the ones who will be blessed. He says the ones who will be blessed are the ones who don't get to touch. Jesus said the ones who, who are, are going to be blessed are those who don't get to see. They don't get the tangibles and yet they believe. They don't doubt. They believe. And Jesus said, listen, that's where the blessing is. That's where God's blessing is. And not to get off here, you know, what is the blessing of God? I mean, that's kind of a woo term, you know. I mean, man, how do you encompass, describe all the blessings of God. But I think for what we're talking about today, it would be very appropriate to quote Psalms 29.11. And Psalm 29.11 says, The Lord will give strength to His people. The Lord will bless His people with peace. That's the blessing of God. That's the blessing of God that doubt blocks in our life. It's the blessing of God that doubt would have us not experience, that doubt would have us not know the peace of God. Peace is a blessing. Understand today that it is a blessing that the Lord God is longing to pour over your head. It is a blessing that the Lord God is longing to fill up your heart with. That's why the Prince of Peace came. That's why the angels sang, Peace to men on whom His favor rests. You understand that? You know, do you understand today that Jesus Christ came to give you peace. He came to give you a peace that does not flee. He came to give you a peace that does not elude. A peace that does not flee. A peace that does not elude and evade. But oh, the war there is. Man, every day, the war that we fight, peace and doubt, peace and doubt... They're at war with one another. Understand that. Peace is at war with my doubt. You want to hear a stinking cool story? I mean, okay, I'm saying this is a cool story. 1948. Billy Graham, 30 years old. Now at that point, you know, he wasn't preaching to giant groups of people. He was doing some youth rallies and campaigns uh, with Youth for Christ. He was busy doing that. He had been named a college president at 30 years old. He was the youngest uh, college president in the United States at that time. But he wasn't a household name. And at 30 years old, Billy had a problem. He said, my very faith was under siege. So 30 years old. He said the particular intellectual problem I was wrestling with for the first time since my conversion as a teenager was the inspiration and the authority of Scripture. 
scripture perfect? Is, is it right? Is it true? Billy said that seeming contradictions and problems with interpretation defied intellectual solutions, or so I thought. Could the Bible be trusted completely? See, you see, Billy had friends, and Billy wasn't known for being a great uh, intellectual, a super smart guy, and so he went to Bible college, and he had friends that he went along with, but, you know, after Bible college, he went to begin to serve, but he had other friends that uh, continued on to get uh, advanced degrees in theology. And his friends, they were beginning to question the authority of Scripture. You know, these guys that he had ministered with, that he had grown up with, served with, they told him, you know, Billy, you're 50 years out of date now. They told him people no longer accept the Bible as being inspired the way you do. Your faith is too simple. Your language is out of date. You're going to have to learn the new jargon if you're going to be successful in ministry. And so he wrestled. I mean, I, I would think we could imagine that. You know, if we had close friends, I mean, we'd gone to school with and read the Bible together, and all of a sudden they're, they're questioning, man, this isn't true. You know, you're off base. You're, you're, you're becoming ignorant here by pursuing this. So Billy really wrestled. He read theologians and he read scholars who were on both sides uh, of the issues. He wanted to understand, you know, he wanted to, to end the wrestling. But he was disturbed. As he read, he struggled with the concepts that were presented. You know, they were, were complicated. Uh, there were contradictions that he saw. You know, people were writing and they were, were redefining, you know, terminology. You know, used to it meant this. And now this word, well, now it means this. And, and that just messed with him. It confused him. And he said, I ached as if I were on a rack. I ached as if I were on a rack. Have you ever been in a moment of doubt? Like that. Where you felt as though you were aching on a rack. I mean, you were, you were wrestling. You were struggling. You were fighting. There was a fight within you. It sapped. It was a strength sapper. It was, it was draining. It was draining on your heart. It was draining on your mind. It was draining on your body. Sleepless nights. Are you aching on a rack today? You know, I wonder, what's the question on your heart? What have you been thinking about? About life? About afterlife? About death? About God? What question has been in your heart? Billy said, I read and I studied and I talked and I ached. He said, I ached as if I were on a rack. And he says that alone in his room one evening, he was reading every verse of Scripture he could find that had to do with, Thus saith the Lord. He said, I recalled hearing someone say that the prophets had used the phrase, the word of the Lord, or similar wording, more than 2,000 times. I had no doubts concerning the deity of Jesus Christ. Billy said, I had no doubts concerning the validity of the gospel. But was the Bible completely true? He said, as that night wore on, my heart became heavily burdened. I could not trust the Bible. I could not, or if I could not trust the Bible, I could not go on. He said, I would have to quit the school presidency. I would have to leave pulpit evangelism. I was 30 years old. It was not too late to become a dairy farmer. But that night, I believe that God 
had saved my soul and he who had saved my soul would never let me go. So Billy took a walk that night and he lay his Bible open on a tree stump and he says that he knelt down in the grass. And that night, it says that there, that tree stump, he prayed, you know, oh God, there are so many things in this book that I do not understand. He prayed, there are many problems with it for which I have no solution. There are many seeming contradictions. There are some areas in it that do not seem to correlate with modern science. I can't answer some of the philosophical and psychological questions my friends are raising. Then, at last, he said, out in the woods that night, Kneeling over that stump, he said, The Holy Spirit freed me to say it. Father, I accept it as thy word. By faith. I'm going to allow faith to go beyond my intellectual questions. I'm going to allow faith to go beyond my doubt. I will believe this to be the inspired word of God. He said, when I got up from my knees that night, my eyes stung with tears. I sensed the presence and the power of God as I had not sensed it in months. He said, not all my questions were answered, but a major bridge had been crossed. He said, in my heart and my mind, I knew a spiritual battle in my soul had been fought and it had been won. You know what happened four weeks one month after that night, not that you know what this means, but Los Angeles happened. Okay? And the story of Los Angeles, 1949, it's too long for our purposes uh, this morning, but what happened in the following weeks and months as God moved night after night, it blew the lid off of Billy's ministry. One month after that night, that happened. Billy said, I was preaching with a new confidence. And he said, I had a new fervor since my pivotal experience of that old tree stump. He said, I was no longer struggling internally. There was no gap. I like that. There was no gap, he says, between what I said and what I knew I believed deep in my soul. There was no gap. So understand, Billy, in his moment of doubt, he went from the rack to no gap. Awesome. From the rack to no gap. So we need to understand, we need to recognize and point today, what do I doubt? What doubt is in your heart today? Do you find that peace flees in your life? You get, you get glimpses, you have moments, but so easily it disappears. So easily peace evaporates. Is your peace fleeting today? Does peace elude you today? No, has your heart ever even known it? Has your heart truly known the peace of God. Has your heart truly known it? Hear me when I say today that you were not designed for that. You were not designed to be without 
the peace of God. If you're wrestling, if you're struggling, if you're in angst, recognize it is because I was not designed for this. I was not designed to live in a wrestle, in a grappling match. I was designed to live without doubt in the peace of God. Know the peace of God is available to you today in your life. And you know, I was struck of all the passages Uh, I was so struck by Matthew chapter 28 this week. And Matthew 28 verses 16 and 17. And like Luke 24 in this scene that's in Matthew 28. This is also after Jesus has been resurrected. And it says, listen to this. It says that Jesus' 11 disciples went to a mountain in Galilee. Where Jesus had told them to meet him. Now listen. It says, They saw him and worshipped him, but some doubted. Isn't that incredible? You know, think about that. They saw Jesus Christ. They worshipped him, but they doubted. And I thought, oh man! Is that what I do? You know, do I do that? You know, did I do that this morning when I came in? Is that what I do when I when I come in here to church week after week? Do I come in and I worship? But I doubt. Understand doubt. It brought Eve's peace with God down, and so it will yours. Understand that doubt, it caused Peter to miss his moment, and so it will yours. Understand that doubt blocked the blessing of God from Thomas's life, and so it will ours. Our heart is at war. It is a war between peace and our doubt. You and I, we can endlessly wrestle and we can endlessly charge and we can rain down the fire on our enemy. We can do it endlessly. We can try. Year after year we can do it. We can spend our days and our nights doing that. Fighting. Or we can go to the stump. We can go to the stump. We can withdraw into the woods like Jesus did in the moments of tension, in the moments of heartache, in the moments of hurt. We can withdraw as Jesus did. We can try to fight it. When was the last time you went to the stump? When was the last time you got up here and you kneeled down and I mean you were lost and it was like God I I don't know what to do here. I'm empty and I'm laid bare and I'm entirely confused. People call me a fake. People call me ignorant. I feel so blind today. Understand 
The peace that you can have, it is not your peace. I think I said my peace once this morning. We need to be very careful about saying my peace. Why? Because Ephesians tells us that Jesus Christ is our peace. Ephesians 4 tells us that Jesus Christ Himself is our peace. The church father, Augustine, he said, Our hearts are restless until we find our rest in Thee. Our hearts are restless until we find our rest in Thee. Jesus Christ, He was the promise of peace. He came and He delivered peace. The day will come when He will return in peace, bringing peace. But understand, it's a peace that He gives to you today. You're not going to be able to conjure it. You're not going to be able to weed your, read your way through it. You're not going to be able ultimately to undoubt yourself. Satan will always have a question. He'll always have a question. But Jesus said this in John 14, 27. I wanted us to read it together. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. It's Jesus' peace. He's saying, my peace, I'm going to give it to you if you bow your heads with me here. In your heart, would you kneel before your king today? Maybe it's a season of doubt for you. Uh, maybe it's not. But if this is a season of doubt, I, I just want to encourage you to kneel at the stump today. In simplicity, with childlike faith, Father, there's so much doubt in this world. We see it in people. We hear about it. We read it. There's so much doubt. There's so much confusion. There's so much question. God, the information is endless. How could I possibly ever get to the bottom of it? I'm not smart enough. I'm not smart enough. Jesus, I pray for faith for those who do not believe. Would you grant us believing hearts? Would we be like the man who cried out, Oh God, help my unbelief. May we cry that at the stump today. God, help my unbelief. I doubt your word. I doubt you. Are you there? Are you going to come? God, I doubt and I doubt and I doubt and I hate this fight. 
Oh, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would bring the Son of God into this place and that he would wash away the fear. Holy Spirit, that the Son of God would still all our doubt and that we would stand above the water today and that we would sink no longer, but we would know that He is the King, that He came, that He rose, that He left and will soon return again. Father, impress that truth on our hearts today. If you've never known peace... Know that the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. If you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. That's that's what you have to, to do. That's what has to happen. What the Spirit has to work in your heart for peace to come. Ask Him if you have not. If you've never known peace, tell Him, Jesus, I've not, I need your peace. I need your peace today. Come, flood, fill, Jesus. Come and do it in me today, I would pray. And Father, for each prayer that you would answer today, we praise you, we give you thanks for it, and we say you and you alone are God. Amen.